0: Welcome to the Servants of Fire podcast, where we dive into real-life application of the prophetic, evangelism, pastoring, healing, and so much more. We'll have special guests and your host, Alvin Kaufman. Servants of Fire podcast. This is Alvin Kaufman, your host, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, John Raz. I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name and and butcher it. So um, welcome to the show, John. Thanks for taking the time out of your day and uh, coming on the show. Yeah, it's a real pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I came across John on uh, uh, Mutual Friends and started seeing some of his videos on uh, School of Deliverance and evangelism and i actually ordered some of his cds and i got them this week and i listened to them in two days the one thing that i can tell you about john from what i can understand from his cds is he's a man of intimacy and that's something that i really really love about his teachings and cds so um john if you can maybe just tell us who you are uh, what you're doing right now, and a little bit of your background testimony. Yeah, so I have
1: a ministry called Harvest Culture. So uh, it, it all this whole ministry was all birthed out of a place of of intimacy with God, really, and just having a passion for souls. Because before I gave my life to Jesus, you know, I always had this passion for God, but didn't know how to channel it properly. So uh, uh, growing up as a French Canadian, of course, so I was Catholic. You know, grew up in a Catholic home, not really like more of a nominal Catholic home to be honest. But I had this desire to please God and to serve God, but not having any understanding how to go about doing it. So I became an altar boy, you know, and uh, uh, and even from an early age, I have what I call diving board syndrome, that everything I do, I I jump off the deep end with it, whether it's good or bad, you know. So uh, while I was trying to serve God, so I tried to become the best altar boy I possibly could. I remember one day, it's a funny story, I heard the priest cussing. You know, behind the uh, the doors so as he's getting changed, probably stubbed his foot or something like that. And I thought, oh, my gosh, the priest is full of sin. So uh, and if you're familiar with Catholic Mass, part of the duties of, a, of an altar boy is to wash the priest's hands before he serves communion. And so I thought to myself, well, the water is going to absolve him of his sin. So I'm going to keep on pouring a lot of water over his hands. So part like usually you just be a little just a little just, you know, a little pour. Enough to say his hands got wet, and then he gave him a towel. But I kept—I poured the whole darn jug <laughs> over his hands. So just, the priest was getting so irritated with me. So I was like, the basin starting to overflow because the, the, the that was catching the water, you know. And then uh, there's a part where you have to ring the bell, you know. And I don't know why you ring the bell, but you have to ring the bell. And um, and I just kept on ringing this bell like there's no like I just would not stop ringing it. You know, just because I'm thinking, like, this priest's cussed, you know, so he's got lots of sin. So always passionate, had this passion for God. Just didn't know how to channel it. And then when I got a little older, you know, not finding God and, you know, and anything like that. So I turned to just t- typical youth, you know, turned to drugs and alcohol. I think I was probably 12, 13 years old the first time I did drugs. And then got really gothic, you know, very suicidal. I had his footlong mohawk, you know, painted my face white, black eyeliner, black lipstick, Fishnet stockings on my arms, on my legs, you know, big black trench coat, and boots up to my knees, slips down my pants. You know, so just a real attractive young man, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then um, a street preacher came to me, actually, and he asked me if I obeyed the Ten Commandments. And uh, this was my response to him. I said, I haven't murdered anyone yet. <laughs> you know, and that was it. Cause I, didn't, I didn't know the Ten Commandments apart from don't murder. And uh, he told me, I don't know them. Therefore, I can't obey them. Therefore, I'm going to hell. And he walks away. You know, there was no mention of grace, There's no mention of Jesus, no mention of salvation at all. You know, so just in a very flawed form of evangelism, but yet the Lord still used it. And my friend's brother, who was a born-again believer, on fire for the Lord for about two years ministered to me. He kept on loving me, kept on pouring out uh, truth into me, kept on praying for me. And then one day, I, uh, I was with friends of mine, and uh, leaving this party, high as a kite. You know, and and I, I don't know exactly what I was on, but I know I was under an influence of some narcotics, and uh, and I got saved at my first altar call I gave. You know, I actually started preaching the gospel to my friends. This is how I knew I was called to be an evangelist because I started preaching the gospel before I was even saved. And I was telling all my friends. Hey guys, I'm gonna give my life to Jesus. I'm gonna, uh, you know, I'm gonna become a Christian, you know, and I, I gotta get born again. I'm a sins forgiven, and, and you know, Jesus died on the cross for me. And I just started preaching the whole gospel to them. They're looking at me like, "How is it a new game?" You know, they have no idea what just happened to me. You know, and, uh, and I drew this line in the snow, and I told them, I said, "Hey, if you want to give your life to Jesus, just cross this line right now. You know, and we'll pray together." You know, and uh, <laughs> you know, they have no idea what's going on. Y'all, Unfortunately, no one but me got saved that day. Uh, and you all kind of walked away laughing at me. But then I just prayed. I, I called it the stoner's prayer because it was I was on drugs when I prayed and it was real simple. And I just prayed and I said, God, if you're real, do something about it. Like you have to do something about it. And then the craziest thing ever happened. Uh, I felt like this hand reaching down inside of me grabbed something and yanked something out. Instantly, I was sober. The addictions were gone. The suicidal tendencies were gone. The voices, I was hearing four, uh, four or five different voices in my head. They were gone. Uh, the depression left. And I was in my right mind for the first time in a few years. And then I just got uh, really filled with the love of Holy Spirit. And I just got, like, just started laughing hysterically. I just could not stop laughing. And I'm literally rolling around in the snow, throwing snow up in the air like a little child. And You know, so I joke around and I say I became a holy roller. Like, literally became a holy roller when I got saved. <laughs> and then... Uh, and I just got, I realized how contagious, now looking back at it, I realized how contagious the presence of God was because my mom came by and picked me up. You know, uh, I was under the influence. So I realized, just don't drive. It's not smart. You know, my mom came by, picked me up. And I dropped in the car with her. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit jumps on my mother. And she starts laughing uncontrollably, and she's not even saved at the time. Now she is, praise God, my mom is saved. She's a great intercessor, one of the head of intercessors for my ministry. But at the time, she was in new age laying of hands called Reiki, Reiki, whatever it's called, you know, and and doing all this new weird new age stuff, stones and crystals. But Holy Spirit jumps on my mom, and she starts laughing uncontrollably. And in my unrenewed mind, I'm thinking. Oh my gosh, my mom is on drugs too. <laughs> I didn't had no language and no understanding for what just happened to me. You know, I'm thinking like these are really good drugs. I remember having that thought, but not realizing this is just a presence of God. You know, and then uh, and after that, long story short, just got uh, plugged into church and just just grew and got on fire for God. And uh, and evangelism was always a passion of mine, just wanting to see people get set free the way I got set free. You know, and long story short, I just formed into uh, into a ministry. You know, I read this book by Reinhard Bonnke. He said his crusade ministry began with two people on the streets of Germany. So I thought, well, if he can do it, then so can I. So I just went and started preaching to everyone I could, you know, and just saw some great fruit out of it. You know, so that's, that's how it started in that.
0: Yeah, wow. Um, so I guess we'll keep on the evangelism track for now. But obviously, my experience in most of my churches, I don't get taught how to evangelize. And I mean, I don't think it's something that people just initially teach. But I mean, what are some of the methods or um, ways that you approach people to really preach the gospel when you're on the streets?
1: Yeah, it's one thing I, I don't like teaching method per se. And this is why, because method, I find it, it pigeonholes people into a into a method of doing it. And they stay there and they don't really expand beyond that until they're taught a different method. I had an encounter with the Lord not too long ago and he told me to stop teaching method because it violates intimacy with me. Mm-hmm. So I in the Lord and I asked begin to question the Lord about it and I asked him what he meant. And he told me that evangelism was a creative expression of people's love they had for me, for the world to see. So he said true evangelism begins when people understand their identity in me and allow the world to see who they are in me, and then being a minister for a place of creativity and identity, form and and allowing God to show them how the individual is called to reach the lost. So not everyone is called to uh uh, to to shotgun the gospel to everyone they see you know but everyone is called to preach the gospel everyone is called to love the lost you know and um one well, thing i always encourage people you know having that said it's, it still doesn't really give you a, a method or, or any way of moving forward but i always encourage people to um, just seek the Lord and ask God, like, how can I be used to reach the lost? You know, like, how do I, how do I minister efficiently and conveying Your heart and connecting people to Your heart, to God's heart? You know, and out of that, just be true to who you are. You know, use your natural talents that you have. You know, so for example, I had a friend of mine who was a uh, great guitar player, and he could sing prophetically till he's blue in the face. You know, and uh, but he was very uncomfortable uh, with evangelism so i asked him and i said can you sing prophetically over the unsaved in a non-religious way he says i think i can so i said well let's do this i was living in florida at the time and uh, so we went down to the beach we've got a couple of chairs and a big placard that said free god songs so i just sat him down and i said listen you just sing to people when i bring them to you so i went around the beach asking people hey have you got your free god so- your free god song yet and you're <laughs> like well what's a god song And i was like you don't know you don't know what a god song is you know just you know and, I'd grab and i grabbed them like you got to come with me and i would sitting down in the chair in front of my friend and he would just prophetically sing with his guitar and sing over people you know and you would encounter god's heart and he would just be weeping you know so you know that that's how it worked great for him you know but for me like i, I can't play an instrument worth a darn so you know that would just it's not going to work for me so i always tell people find what works for you you know um you know whether it's like i I'm just a bold kind of guy. So for me to uh, get a word of knowledge and walk up to someone and just go straight to the cut to the chase, I'll tell someone flat out. Uh, If I get a word of knowledge for them, I'll just make small talk with them, introduce myself, you know, and ask them, hey, this might seem a little weird to you. I'm warning you, this might be weird, but does this make sense to you? You know, whether it's a word of knowledge about a medical condition or a miracle that they need or a situation with work or family or whatever it is, you know, and when it lands true in their heart, you know, then then I know I have their attention. And then I just go from there. I was like, you know, God told me this about you, and I just start sharing God's heart for them. You know, and and that for me that works really well. And for other people, that you might say, well, that's just not who I am. Like, that's not my personality. And then, but they find a different method to do it. You know, and then uh, saying that's not your personality, I'm not talking about that's not being bold, because every believer is called to be bold. You know, because it says in Proverbs 28:1 that the righteous are as bold as a lion. In the wicked flee when no one pursues. You know, we're called to be the we are the righteous according to Second Corinthians five twenty-one. You know, so we are called righteous by God. So therefore our identity is found in righteousness, which produces boldness. Therefore, your identity supersedes your personality every single time. You know, so you could still be an introverted person and still be bold. But your boldness will just look differently. Hmm. So.
0: No, that's good. I I actually saw that um, post in that video that you posted on uh your page about just being the expression of who you are and Mm -hmm. and out of love and and i mean that resonated with me so well because i'm a person that um i can basically get along with anybody and and even people it's not awkward for me to just approach people and just love on people out of that you know and i think there's maybe that's why we haven't really embraced per se evangelism in the church um like, a lot of times it's, let's go out and preach to the lost, but um, we're not doing it out of who we are. We're doing it out of, like, a method or a commandment, basically, rather than the heart of God. And, man, oh. you touched on that. That's so good. So so you you um, went to a school, at Reinhard Bonnke School of Evangelism, for a while?
1: Yeah, what it was, it was a, uh, at the time, it was an invite-only school. Uh, and it was only about, it was about a week long. And uh, so I was living in Florida, actually, and I guess they heard about my ministry and they invited me to come. I got a, uh, a message from their ministry, so of course I jumped on that bandwagon. So it was an amazing opportunity to sit under this amazing general like Ryan Harbansky and some of his team. You know, it was a, a life changing experience. Absolutely, definitely received a lot of impartation from there. You know, I just wish it was longer than just a week, but it was a it was a crammed full week. It was absolutely amazing. And one thing I love about uh, CFAN, uh, Christ for All Nations, Ryan Bonnke and her whole team, this one part that really stood out to me the most is uh, like they catered lunches for us and breakfasts. And, uh, but the team, like even Ryan Bonnke and Daniel Kalenda, would sit at separate tables and anyone could just sit there and join them. So there's about 190 to 100 students that were invited to come out, and uh, so I had I was had an amazing opportunity to sit down and have lunch with Brian Herbanke, Daniel Kalenda, Peter Vandenberg, who's the Crusade director, and just pick their brains and get to know them, and just so very humble and unassuming people. It was absolutely fantastic.
0: Hmm, Yeah, it was really cool. So, John, you stress a lot of times like intimacy, and I mean that. Obviously, I think it looks different for everybody, but what are some ways that you really um, seek after God? Like, um, And I think you talked about meditating on the word and like kind of chewing the word in your mind. Can you just touch on that and kind of expanding on um, even you talked about authority in your deliverance school and you just meditated on scripture to know who you are in your identity. So can you yeah. give us some tips and, and just maybe some feedback on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely like, yeah for me uh in intimacy scripture was was key you know because it says in, in John 1, 14 that the word became flesh you know it's Jesus mm. becoming it was the word became Jesus you know so and and the word itself in Hebrews 412 it says it's living and powerful and sharpened in a 200 sword piercing between joint and marrow discerning the intents of the hearts of man so the word is living you know one thing I've realized with you know every living creature in on the planet has uh well, one real main objective is to to expand to grow and to reproduce you know that right from the beginning of creation god commands living things to to grow be fruitful and reproduce so for example you take a seed the word compares the word the, the word compares itself <laughs> to a seed quite often you know well, when you take a seed and you put that in in, in, in fertile soil uh, that seed has one purpose you talk to take it like a natural seed here and it has one purpose it's to sprout roots first right to to, to establish a foundation, to sprout its roots, and eventually sprout a stalk that, you know, and then its goal is to reach as high as it can and as wide as it possibly can, so it can receive as much sunlight and rain and everything else. And everything that's planted has the same objective. So why is the Word of God any different? You know, so the objective of the Word of God, and when we read the Word as the living Word, not just as ink in page, but as a living word, that this is actually Jesus, that we're imparting into ourselves and meditating on the word and allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us the word. You know, when I read the word, I don't just read it for the sake of reading it, but I'm reading intentionally with Holy Spirit because he's a great teacher. You know, it says in John 16 that uh, Jesus tells us the the Holy Spirit will come and he'll teach you all things. He'll guide you into all truth. So I just invite Holy Spirit. You know, I literally pray, Holy Spirit, come and read the word with me. Mm. Teach me the word as I'm reading it. So for me, it's not about quantity, but it's more about quality. There's times where I've read one single verse for two months. You know, I just meditate on that one verse. I can't read any other verses because that one verse is jumping out at me. So I would read it. I would look it up in the Greek or the Hebrew. I'd, I'd find different translations of it. And I would just unpack that one verse or maybe a, a grouping of verses until I felt like okay, I got a good foundation in this now, and like I I feel like it's rooted inside of me, and now it can properly grow and bear fruit, you know. So, so growing intimacy when you take that word as a living word, it, it it grows inside of you and it produces, and it should naturally produce intimacy. You know, sometimes you hear people, you know, like oh, I'm a word person or I'm a spirit person. Well, you can't be one or the other. You got to be both. Right, like I heard one person say, "This this might be a common saying, but if you're if you're word focused, only word focused, you get stuffy. But if you're only spirit focused, you get fluffy, you know. And but and I always kind of hated that because you can't truly be living word focused without being spirit focused because with the, Holy Spirit is the author, you know, of the Bible. Like He's the one who authors it. You know, He spoke through the prophets. He spoke through the apostles. Yeah. He spoke. Through uh, uh, the people who penned down the Bible, so you, you can't separate spirit and word, in my opinion. When you do, you actually violate intimacy with God. So you got to combine the two together, because you know, God will speak to you through the word, and the word will speak to you of God. So it's, you can't separate the two. So building an intimacy, you know, so it's spending time in the word, meditating on the word. With God, allowing Holy Spirit to reveal and unpack the Word for you, but also on top of that is actually spending time just listening. For me, soaking like uh, meditative prayer is super important. You know, like Isaiah talks about waiting on the Lord, and the word waiting is not literally just, oh, I'm waiting here, waiting for you to do something, but it's compared to a server waiting someone at a table. You know, so when you're waiting on God, you're actually asking God, God, I'm waiting for my order. I'm waiting for, what, for you to give me something to do. What do you want me to do in this moment? And being building intimacy with God. There's times where I lay down on my back. I just soak. I lay down on the ground. You not know, get a pillow and I'll, or on my bed or whatever. And I'll just pray in tongues for a while. And then when I feel the presence of God coming, I feel like there's a tangible presence. I'll just start being quiet. And I'll say, God, speak to me. What do you want to say? What is it you have to say to me? Mm-hmm. And I have times where it might seem weird to some people. God said, hey, uh, I want you to go and play a golf. You're stressed out. You're tired. Go play golf. It'll relax you. Wow.
0: You
1: know. You know. So I'm like, okay. You know. And at the same time, God spoke to me and says, okay, I want you to spend all day in the Word today. I want you to pray all day long. Or I want you to go to the streets. I want you to go minister to this person. This is what I want you to tell him or her. You know. And and, and it's just a matter of listening in, to that still small voice in your heart and in being instant obedient to, no matter how weird it may seem or how easy it is to receive. You know, uh, just being having that instant obedience. You know, at first, my religious mindset, when God said, go play golf, I was like, I rebuke that devil. You know, like, <laughs> you know. Uh, but then it kept on coming back to me over and over and over again, and I'm realizing, well, yeah, golf would sound amazing right now. Like, I am pretty stressed out. I am tired, and that does relax me. So I went with Holy Spirit. We played a round of golf together. You know, I didn't have any friends with me. I just went with – and I just communed with God as I was playing golf, you know, because 1 Thessalonians 517, it says to pray without ceasing, you know, so it means being continual communication with God, no matter what you're doing, you know, so my prayer life is 24-7, you know, when I'm sleeping, my spirit is still communing. I I pray, I devote myself to my sleep to the Lord, you know, and uh, you sleep one-third of your life, you know, it's been sleeping, you know, so I said, and God can speak to you through dreams, and I believe your spirit can still communicate with the Lord, You know, God gave Joseph, the the guy who fathered Jesus, a dream to escape and go to Egypt. So also God values dreams. So having that intentional intimacy in your heart, that no matter what you're doing, you're communing with God. So, yes, I have times where I set apart, where I shut my phone off, and I'm just either in the Word or I'm praying, whether in English or in tongues, you know. But then throughout my whole day, I'm building intimacy with Jesus. My intimacy doesn't stop because I leave my prayer closet. You know, it's the foundations of my prayer closet. But then as I go through the day, I go shopping, I go to the gym, I, as I travel to go preach somewhere, I'm always talking to Holy Spirit, you know, and allowing him to minister to my heart in return.
0: No, that's, that's good, that's, that's great. Um, so we kind of talked a little bit about evangelism, but obviously um, another thing that you teach is deliverance, uh, School of Deliverance 101, and that kind of goes hand in hand with evangelism because people are obviously in bondage. And we're called to set them free. Um, so I guess one thing that I kind of forgotten, kind of reflected on in a lot of the teaching that was in what I listened to this week is healing and demons and how that sometimes that they're interconnected. Mm-hmm. And I think you gave a testimony of uh, it was I think it was one of your first miracles that you ever had when you laid hands on a woman. Mm-hmm. Um And her back straightened up. Can you maybe just touch on that testimony and then kind of teach from that on how that's interconnected with sometimes, at times?
1: Yeah. Yes, like I said, like not all miracles or not all sickness and disease is, is demonic. Yeah. Yes, let me rephrase that. All sickness and disease is. Is demonic in root and origin, but it's not all inflicted by the demonic. If that makes sense. So, for example, if, if uh, like this woman I prayed for in Africa—that's where I saw my first miracle. Actually, was, was a woman. She was she was hunched over, like her her back was bent at a 90-degree angle. She couldn't stand up straight, just skin and bones. And long story short, I prayed for her. and as we're praying, we just hear three big pops—just pop, pop, pop—and her back straightens right out. You know, in that particular instance. Uh, you know, I, I was so young in, in, in understanding the supernatural. I don't know if it was a demon that left her or it was just a miracle that took place. I I couldn't care less at the time. I was just happy she got healed. <laughs> you know, but there is times where we will see uh, sickness directly influenced by the demonic. And there's different levels of this. You know, for example, here's a real surface level one. You pray for someone. So let's say their shoulder hurts and you pray for their shoulder. And I, you ask them afterwards, hey, are you better? Well, yeah, my shoulder is better, but now my knee hurts. Then you pray for their knee. How's your knee feeling? Well, my knee's good, but now my elbow hurts. And it's like, well, do you normally have elbow pain or a knee pain? No, I don't. So that's a demon, actually. When, it, when you have the shifting pain all over the place, that's a real low-level, like puny little demon. It's, it's you just identify it and just command it to leave, and it, it's super easy to pray for. But then you have others, for example, uh, like the deaf and dumb spirit. You know, where uh, you'll see it afflicting people through all these through uh, through a muteness. And also through a deafness. Sometimes it's both, sometimes it's just one, you know, and uh, so that's the actual spirit You know that uh, you got to cast out, you know, you, you know, dress a demon and, and you cast it out And also sometimes as well as I've discovered that oftentimes with people who are afflicted with a deaf and dumb spirit Doesn't always manifest uh, with deafness or muteness, but sometimes with learning disabilities and clumsiness You know, sometimes that that could be a sign of a, of a deaf and dumb spirit, you know, and the Bible talks about uh, spirits and infirmities talks about like, how uh, there's a guy who has uh, epileptic seizures and Jesus casts a demon out of him. You know, so there's all these different sicknesses that can be directly influenced with demonic, but not all sickness is directly demonically influenced. So for example, if you get a cold, you go outside, it's minus 40 and you get a cold. Well, that's not a demon. That's that's just you being dumb.
0: You
1: know, that's like, yeah, learn your lesson, wear a jacket, you know, like you know, what dress for the weather, right? That's not a demon at all. You know, um, you know, or for example, if you get lung cancer and you spend your whole life smoking, well, I, I'm inclined to think that might not be a spirit of death or a spirit of cancer. That could just be you had made really poor choices in your health and life by smoking every day of your life. You know, that, that's, you know, we all know that cancer is a direct byproduct of, of smoking, you know. So, but then we've seen people where they have a spirit of infirmity and there's another sign of uh, people who always have one ailment after another. Like, I, I had cancer, you know, and then I'm in, you know, into cancer, I got, I'm in remission of cancer, and now I have this disease, and, and I got over that disease, and now I've got this disease. And there's a continual laundry list of diseases or conditions that you're facing nonstop. I'm not talking about, well, I had a cold, you know, or, or I broke my leg one year, and then next year after that I got a cold, or I had the sniffles, or, uh, you know, I had bathroom issues, or whatever. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying you have severe medical conditions one after another you just can't seem to get over it or that could be a, de- a, de- a demon of infirmity or even if uh doctors tell you well we don't know what this is that can also be a demon even though uh it happens so often the doctors actually called it uh gave one of these a condition a name called fibromyalgia and i truly believe that fibromyalgia is actually a demon where uh because they don't know this it's so common that they don't know what causes it But it's so common, we have to give it a name, so they called it fibromyalgia, you know. And so when I say that uh, uh, if you have fibromyalgia or one of these conditions, you know, I'm not saying that you're demon possessed. I'm just saying there's demonic influence that's causing sickness in your life, right? So I'm not saying that you're possessed in any way, shape or form.
0: Sure. Yeah, no, that's good. And and don't go looking for a demon behind every bush. (laughs) No, gosh, no. Another question I have, a lot of times kind of the deliverance ministry or like even teaching and training has kind of disappeared from the forefront of a lot of the churches. Why do you think that is?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, it's true. You don't really hear a lot of deliverance teaching anymore. And I, I think it's for two reasons. One, because we got weird with it. I think a lot of uh, people, not everyone, but I think a, a lot of people who teach deliverance get really strange and mystical and weird with it, you know, and, uh, and we do it sometimes in a way that does not honor the person getting delivered. For example, if you have someone on stage who's manifesting a demon and a demon is talking through the individual and you're interviewing the demon, I think that's wrong personally because now that person will have to always, excuse me, always have to live with the fact that his demon spoke to him in front of a whole audience. Right, we see ministers do that, and that's not honoring to the individual. That's actually really embarrassing. You know, yes, like I, the way I see deliverance is get them free as fast as possible. Don't entertain the demon. That's stupid, because now the person's got to live with you know they'll get set free from whatever that demon was in their life, but now there's this shame that they might have to deal with of, yeah, my whole church or my whole the whole conference saw me this happening, and you know people are going to associate. You know, I've seen this where as a conference and someone got set free, it was manifesting a demon of rage. And uh, they got set free. And afterwards, someone came up to him and says, "Oh my gosh, you're the one who had the demon, you know." And and, and I see that like this person wow. just not, you know, not being overly happy about that statement. And, and rightfully so, you know. So I told the person, I said, "Listen, just go away, be quiet, go away." And I pulled this person aside who who got delivered. And I used to begin to celebrate the individual. I said, "That's so amazing. How does it feel to be like to be able to live in the fullness as a child of God now?" Now I start celebrating the fact that they're a child of God, not that they had a demon. I was celebrating the fact that in their identity of today and who they are right now, not the fact they had a demon. You know, I find that so important because otherwise it brings a shame down on someone. You know, and it just it can potentially revert them back down another negative path. You know, so I think that's one reason why we don't teach deliverance, and also another reason why is because I think we moved away from the moving of the spirit in certain regards, and because we don't see it as much, maybe. Uh, um, we don't see as much demonic manifestation per se, like in church services, because I think we don't value it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I would, as, every time I teach deliverance, people start manifesting demons, you know, it's because uh, I begin to directly oppose the demonic forces and then they don't like that. They start automatically start manifesting. So what we value is actually what you see in your life and in your ministry. So for example, if I don't have a value for miracles, well, guess what? I'm not going to see the miraculous. I can pray for people, but yet not see them get healed because I don't value it. I don't put an emphasis on it. You know, so we need to put an emphasis, I believe, on deliverance, on the fact that we have authority over these things and we need to see people get delivered. You know, I think we've just lost the value for it. But I do believe that God's restoring that ministry back to the church. Like I had an encounter uh, this past summer where the Lord spoke to me very clearly. He said, John, I want you to bring back a healthy celebration of the deliverance ministry back into the church. You know, so that's why I developed a school of, uh, school of deliverance 101 where I cut out all the mysticism of it all and I just stick to the basics, stick to the simple truth that the devil is defeated, we have authority over them, and get them out of people, <laughs> you know, and, and enabling them to walk in the fullness of who they are.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. If you maybe just tell everyone, even in your school of evangelism, like where we can find that stuff. Um, and I'll, I'll just give a plug here. Like, I mean, I listened to it in two days, and I mean, there's so much in it and and you do like you you teach it from like intimacy and respect and love for people and that that's your heart for people and i mean if you have any questions about that i mean john's gonna tell you where you can get it and i mean it's an investment that you're gonna treasure and god can use us all in that way so i mean go ahead and and plug your website and, and your store and everything
1: yeah, so we have a, a website we have a website called HarvestCulture.com. And if you go to HarvestCulture.com, you'll see a big button right in the middle of the site that says Store. If you click on the Store button, you uh, will have options for uh, CDs, uh, MP3s as well. So we've got a school of evangelism that Alvin mentioned, which is all about forming your identity in Christ so you can release the gospel through who you're called to be. It's very practical. I hate all, this, all the schools and all the material is very practical. I hate giving theory... And then not telling, giving you keys on on how to actually apply it to your life. I, I find that uh, uh, unreasonable, really. So we have a school of evangelism, which will, will teach you uh, how to move in boldness, how to get over fear, move in boldness, how to pray for the sick, how to give words of knowledge, how to develop a lifestyle of evangelism, um, how to move in compassion, how to do discipleship and follow up. You know, uh, so a uh, really practical applications for evangelism, and also the school of deliverance as well. Um, we focused all on understanding your authority that you have in Christ, you know, and the, also the identity of the enemy, which is that of defeated. There's no but after that statement. The enemy is defeated. There's no but. You know, and we have authority over him, period. He's defeated, period. You know, so now it's just a matter of learning how to take authority and, and ex- execute that authority in our life. You know, so it's all very practical as well, and, and I do try to teach everything I do out of personal intimacy with God and revelation that I have, out of a heart for individuals and a heart for the kingdom, trying to connect people to the heart of the Father to enable them to become who the best them they can be, moving their God-given authority and identity, you know, and to release Jesus everywhere they go. You know, so harvestculture.com, click on the store, and you'll see those things. I've got other CD sets on there as well. Uh, you can download either MP3s or purchase the CDs
0: awesome yeah it was it was refreshing so all right john thanks so much for taking the time out today for uh this podcast and uh hopefully we can connect again
1: absolutely thank you so much for having me
0: this is the fourth episode of the servants of fire podcast please join us on twitter at servants fire pod or our facebook group page servants of fire podcast